Los Angeles. Don't miss the excitement of LA Kings playoff hockey at Crypto.com Arena. Tickets for the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs are on sale now. Visit LAKings.com slash playoffs to secure your seats today. You're listening to an LA Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit LAKings.com slash podcast. gets to it. Anderson sweeps it across. Roy to You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. The song you're listening to right now uh, that I have chosen to intro the show with following a loss in the playoffs, that song is titled Shake It Off. And the reason I chose this song really is just for the title. I'm not even sure that it fits the mood of a loss, but I picked it because that's what the Kings have to do here and following every playoff loss. They have to shake it off. Game 7 is Saturday night, tonight, by the time you're hearing this, probably. And uh, at this point in the series, I think there's really not much to say that hasn't already been said. But I guess we'll say it all again anyway. In advance of Game 7, I decided to call <clears throat> my dad to talk about Game 6. We're not going to spend a ton of time on this, because, Dad, there's just not much to say, but... Uh, what was your perspective on Game Six from three thousand miles away? Um, well, a very late. Um, yeah. That's the first thing. Sure. <laughs> By the time the game starts, I'm already sleepy. Um, you know, I don't think I have much more to say than most people. They started out very slow. It looked like Edmonton was there, ready to play. I thought, okay, Edmonton puts out Drysaddle and McDavid to start the game. That's that's bold, and uh, we didn't have much of an answer and. But clearly, as the game went on, um, I still think we were being outplayed. But, you know, they, they scored the two goals. We tied it up. And I do have to say that when they tied it, and I think I even texted you to say it, I, I thought we would be shut out. But once we scored the two goals, I actually thought we were going to win. So then I was kind of disappointed. Because <laughs> I thought, oh, this is the game where they score the first goal. But we've come back and we'll win and we'll be the first game. Um, but, you know, yeah, well, never so- really happened. <laughs> Yeah, you and I don't think you and I talked about this in between game five and six. We talked about a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. But, you know, uh, people were coming up to me before game six at crypto. You know, how you feeling? You know, they got this, whatever, even in between the periods. And, you know, it occurred to me that game six was the first time since 2014 that they had been in a situation where they could close out a series. Um, yeah. And it's, it's not a, uh, you know, it, it's not that big a deal. Um, and I think, you know, there's the oldest cliche in sports, right? The, the clincher is always the hardest one to win. Yeah. And I think it's also when you come home and you, you right, they're up 3-2 and no one's expecting it. They probably didn't expect it. And, you know, they won a big game in overtime. And I think, as people have said, I think it's probably really, you, you know, it, it's the same thing as like when they won the cup, right? The first year when they, they could have won it in game four. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, I said you, uh, I'll let Jeff have those tickets because <laughs> we might miss them if they win, but if they lose, then, you know, we're not going to be able to see game six, maybe. Right. <laughs> and so, and, you know, as it turned out, right, that was correct because it's the hardest one. And when you come home, you, you just had the feeling that they thought, no, I don't mean they really thought it because that's not how it works, but, you know, that you just think, well, we're okay, we're going to win. Yeah. And so you, 
you don't quite, you know, it's just human nature, right? Um, and I don't think they really think that or anything. Right. Uh, but they clearly were off to a slow start. The other thing is, and I think I texted this to you, which is if you look at their record over the year, they're, I don't they have a much better road record than a home record? Yeah, they do. Yeah. So it wasn't that shocking to me that, you know, they've won a bunch of games on the road and they've lost a couple at home. So I'm not pessimistic about tomorrow night because I don't think it, I don't think it's some big advantage that Edmonton has, uh, that they're at home. Well, so this is where I come back to the idea of house money that Todd McClellan has mentioned a couple times. I am, listen, in the moment of each game, I am worked up. You know, like I was in the, yeah, you know, like in game six, I was probably looked like a crazy person to all of the newer employees who haven't, you know, who haven't seen me (laughs) uh, during a stressful playoff series. But, you know, I left the press box two or three times to go, Ah. to go wander around in the right. in the bowl you know like i was i was in the lower bowl standing um when they scored the second no the first goal say i don't even remember um but you know i and i just couldn't sit still and i was in and out and moving yeah. all over the place um so in the moment i'm i'm stressed out and emotionally invested but in days like this where i'm looking at the series and i'm looking at the season and i'm you know having to make plans of like okay well Game seven is Saturday. Dallas Calgary takes place in about 10 minutes from the time we're recording this, I think. Um, okay. Or 20 minutes. And I'm watching, watching Florida, Washington. Um, yeah. Oh, and geez, at, P- at P- the Pittsburgh, moment. New York tied it up since the last time I checked. But, but the point yeah. is like, as of the time I'm recording this, we could be looking at a Kings Calgary series in round two, a Kings Dallas series in round two, or the Kings having lost. And now right. my, the next week of my life is is totally different, and and right. I and I don't in the like like I said in the moment I'm emotionally invested in the game I'm acting like a lunatic I'm tense I'm stressed out but today I'm like whatever the outcome is I'm fine yeah <laughs> I, I don't I'm, well I, and that's I think that's because I'm just ex- this is a it just seemed like okay the way things are going there's a darn good chance they'll lose mm-hmm. not for any big negative reasons just. It's a hard one to win to clinch it. They're, they don't expect to be there, so, you know, it's going to be a slightly different energy, and you know Edmonton's going to come out gangbusters, and they did. But the other thing, and so I, I was sort of calm during the game, um, but the other thing I thought was, okay, they started out bold, and, you know, and, and they get the goal and dry side, but the rest of the game, um, you know, it was obviously close. And what it really shows is if we, if the Kings actually play the way they played in those couple of games all out, I think we're the better team. They have two of the better players, yeah. for sure, mm-hmm. um, and, and and a sort of interesting goalie. But you know, <laughs> you know, so take away the two blowouts, which are kind of meaningless, mm-hmm. as you say. Like every series has had them. Um, I don't know. You know, it seems like if the Kings would go out and and do the same start they've had all the other games, I I think they'll win. Yeah, I I maybe I, maybe this is bias. Maybe this is just me trying to be as optimistic as possible, which would be rare. But I don't feel <laughs> yeah. I, I don't feel like Edmonton is doing anything in particular to stop the Kings from playing their game so much as 
this is a team that all year long has had some games where afterwards the coach and the players all go, well, we got away from our game. We have to play to our identity. We have to do the things that we do. Yeah. And then, so, and then when they do, they win and they win big and it's great. But I don't feel like, I don't feel like you can look at the series and go, well, Duncan Keith is doing an excellent job of keeping Phil Deneau off the score sheet or, oh, Evan Bouchard is doing a great job of stymieing Alex. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like Edmonton is, is stopping the Kings. I feel like the Kings are stopping them. I don't even want to say stopping themselves. I feel like maybe the Kings are spending more time concentrating on stopping Edmonton than they are getting themselves. Yeah. I mean, that's the difference is it's not, it's not an unusual difference. You know, over the years of hockey, right? They have, uh, you know, as we were saying, arguably the two, well, definitely one of the best players, mm-hmm. the best player, and arguably the two best players. And then they have a couple of other guys, you know, that are really, really good and solid kind of playoff type players like Kane. Um, and so, you know, th- that means they're always going to be dangerous and they're always going to be buzzing. Um, at some level, because those guys are on the ice a lot. But like I say, when they're not on the ice, I I don't feel like okay, they're the I, I feel like we're the better team. And when they are on the ice and we're playing our game, we've won games even when they both scored goals. Yeah, a so, lot of goals. A lot of goals. Yeah. yeah. So like I said, like I, I wasn't shocked they lost last night. I, you know, that's a tough one. You know, you, mm. you you're up three two. You're excited energy and you've won an overtime and then you come home and you know that's always a tough one to win anyway and then to clinch it it's tough and you your crowd's there and you want to please the crowd and you know they just got off to a slow start for whatever reason now if they get off to a slow start tomorrow then i think yeah they're in big trouble (laughs) now you uh it's been a long time since you lived in toronto a very long time (laughs) it's been a long time since you worked in edmonton yes but but toronto (laughs) yeah but toronto and edmonton (laughs) Both with Game 7s on home ice on Saturday. Yeah, that'll be exciting in which, both towns. Which team uh, has more pressure on them? Toronto. Yeah. Yeah, because A, Edmonton at least has won a bunch of cups. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, there'll I be guess. a lot of pressure on Edmonton because, yeah. because of McDavid. Uh, and, you know, but Toronto, Toronto has to win. The press in Toronto is, I know the press in Edmonton is bad, but Toronto, it's, it's on steroids, <laughs> right? And so are the people, right? They've been waiting a long time. And they've also, like I said to you the other day, if, if I had to choose to start a new team, it's no longer Ovechkin or Crosby, right? It's Matthews or mm-hmm. McDavid. And I actually think I would take Matthews. Um, <laughs> Everyone will be shocked, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just you know so they've got they've got their guy who's the top player, right? And uh, so I think I think the pressure there will be enormous. I do, I, and I think it'll you know I, I think it'll be a lot of fun. And that's the other thing. And I saw someone tweeted, but it is right. The, the cities that have the outdoor uh, big screen, yeah, is great, right? And I think Toronto's one of them. Mm-hmm. And so. Think about how many people, right? They, whatever. There's eighteen thousand inside, and it looks like another, yeah, heck, another eighteen thousand, another eighteen thousand outside. So that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it was Woodcroft said all the pressure was on all on L.A. in Game Six, and right. I think all the pressure and then some is on Edmonton for Game Seven. Oh, hundred percent. 
100%. Because it's, it's the same thing. They're at home, yeah. right? They're expected to win. They've got the best players. Everybody in the NHL and the whole world seems to want them to go, mm-hmm. right? It's <laughs> the only two they're talking about. <laughs> so I think they're under a lot of pressure. But, um, like, you know, even when I lived in Toronto, uh, and it wasn't that long since they'd won a cup, there was a lot of pressure. Yeah. Well, it's been <laughs> you know? 90, was it 90 or 91 the last time Edmonton did it? I mean, it was 90. Um, uh, yeah, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh was 91 and 92, and then Montreal's 93. So, yeah, it's been 1990. So, it's been 32 well, years. Yeah, you know, 32 years. Yeah, that's <laughs> a long time. It's a long time. <laughs> but the thing is that, you know, that's so funny. And uh, But... Right, they've been the team that was supposed to win the cup and on the verge for what now? Twelve years at least. Yeah, no, I was talking to this about the half. We found the the first the first instance I could find of the hashtag "Here Come the Oilers" was 2013. And yeah, okay. I can't remember the f- exact phrase that I looked for earlier this year, but I went looking for the some variation of "Is this the Oilers' year or is this Edmonton's right. year?" And it was like 2009, I think. Um, well, what was the first year they got the first, like Nugent think, Hopkins? I think or... 2008. It wasn't Eberly. It was Sam Gagne, maybe. Okay, um, and then they had Yakupov, who didn't work, and and Nugent Hopkins, who's still there and is good, and Taylor Hall. Like, I mean, that's why they, it's always. But they just never bothered to draft a goalie or a defenseman. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. That's a whole a whole other topic. So, so 2006, yeah. 2006, they don't have a first round pick. 2007, they have three first-round picks, Gagne, Plant, and Nash. And you'll oh be excused for never having heard of Alex Plant. Plant, I don't know how you pronounce that. Right. Um, he only played 10 games in the uh, NHL. If, if there's an E on the end, it's Plant. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Alex, P-L-A-N-T-E, like Jacques Plant. Um, yes. <laughs> then the next year, they had Jordan Eberle, 22nd overall. Okay. Magnus Pejarvi, uh, 10th overall. Then Taylor Hall, first overall. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, first overall. Neil Yakupov, first overall. So, so even though they haven't won a cup, right? They've been they've been sort of touted as the team, Mm -hmm. and Toronto's been touted as the team, but mostly just in Toronto. Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, I think Toronto's recent history of losing Game Sevens, mostly against Boston. Yeah, Um, yeah. So, so I don't know. I, I. I mean, it would. I. I mean, even though I lived in Toronto for fourteen years, I've always hated the Leafs. But um, <laughs> just from being a kid, right? Yeah. That's why I was a Habs fan. Um, you couldn't really be both. Um, so you know, I'm. I'm happy to see them lose, even even to this day. <laughs> well, plus you know, it's my only arrest. As your yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for uh, scalping tickets at Maple Leaf Garden. <laughs> I, jo- I jokingly asked some friends, "Is tomorrow Saturday? That is the most important day in Canadian history with the Leafs, <laughs> with the Leafs and the Oilers both playing Game Sevens at home." Obviously, it's not. I'm sure there have been other days where there were two Game Sevens on Canadian ice the same day, but uh, should be a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully the Kings come away and yeah. uh, and we'll play somebody in round two. Well, you know, I'm of course torn between um, my love of hockey and then my love for my family. So it's a tricky one. Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, we'd love to see you. Yeah. (laughs) I was just out there in December. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) True that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, it'd be great. I'd love to see the Kings win. And I I really, you know, sometimes I'm 
fake up, well, not fake optimistic, but um, but I, I just don't. I just think they can win. I mean, they've won on the road. They've won in Edmonton already, and um, and I I just think I think they're just as good as Edmonton, despite all the hype and and despite Connor McDavid and Drysaddle and I don't know. Now that was the other thing. Uh, you were at the game, so on the telecast, um, they they kept alluding to the saying that they thought Drysaddle was hurt. Uh, I don't know if that's I, I didn't, true or I not. I mean, I didn't notice it during the game, but I did see the comments on social media about the telecast saying that. But, I mean, he finished the game, so. No, and he looked fine yeah. on TV. But, I, you know, we that's the thing about not being at the game. You can't see, yeah. you know, when he's going to the bench, is he wincing? Does he look tired? I don't know. He looked fine. I know at one point he went off the ice and went down the hall, but he, he came right back. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, I'm. I was way too... Uh, <laughs> stressed out to, yeah. <laughs> to be noticing stuff like that so but uh but hopefully well, we'll talk to you in round two yes 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 with any luck or uh, you know anyway i'll certainly speak to you on sunday about yeah. whatever happens yeah, exactly <laughs> tomorrow and i got new glasses today so i'm 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 hoping i can even perfect you know when you You're get all new set glasses for game seven then i'm all set once i get adjusted right well you've right, got right now You've got giving me a headache. 24 hours, so. Yeah, that's it. I'm just go, go look at a bunch for, of stuff tomorrow. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. 24 hours of TV to yeah. get there my warm up. Excellent. All right, cool. All right, thanks, Dad. Whether you're starting a game or starting your day, you need to pick a starting lineup. And you're going to want the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with the superior skincare the pros love, Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at getjackblack.com with the code TEAMJB. The starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-size intense therapy lip balm, SPF 25, in natural mint. Here's to the winning combination for 2022, the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black. $10 plus free shipping, available at getjackblack.com with the code TEAMJB while supplies last. Bad calls, dirty slashing, we expect a little bull on the ice, but you know when we can't stand it? when we're tracking packages, looking up tracking numbers, shipping statuses that never get updated, we call bullshit. So we got Route. It's the free app that tracks everything you order online in one place. Route sends us real-time tracking updates, or we can pop into the app to see where our stuff is on an actual map. Download the Route app in the App Store or Google Play, or head to route.com to learn more. No bullshit, just great tracking. All right, to help me preview Game 7, LA Kings versus Edmonton Oilers, Zach Dooley from Edmonton. How are you doing today, Zach? Jesse, pretty excited. Pretty <laughs> excited. It's hard not to be, right? Like, yeah. I feel like I sounded sarcastic saying that because I didn't say it in an excited way at all. <laughs> but, like, it's exciting. Like, what more could you want, right? It's Game 7 hockey. It's exciting. Yeah, and, you know, I don't, I don't know why, but this particular series – the rhetoric that maybe I would ordinarily roll my eyes at, I have accepted as truth. Um, it, I think it's rare that hockey cliches are the truth. I understand why coaches and players have to rely on them and, and go back to them. But, you know, in game four, it was a two to one series, you know, and it was important for mm-hmm. them to focus on that. And it was true. And at the end of game five, Todd McClellan said our efforts that we got in game four and game five wouldn't be good enough. We have to be better. And it was true. And going into game seven, 
they are who they are. Uh, I can't, I can't remember who said it. The chess moves have been made. The players have to play. We'll get what we get. This team has made me believe in all of these cliches that I used to laugh at. Like yeah. the, the, I, the, like we have to play our game, right? <laughs> right. There's nothing to that, but it, there is with this team. Like it's so obvious when they play their game versus when they don't, what the results are. And like, it's the same ones that you used, right? Like, Oh, you know, eight to two only counts as one six to zero only counts as one. Like, a lot of times you hear that externally and you laugh at it, but then that's exactly how it was taken. Right. Like they're like it, it and it's, you know, momentum doesn't carry over between games. And like, I thought that Todd clarified that well. Cause like, he's like, if it did, we would have got smacked in game four, but it doesn't because it was just one loss. The Kings reset momentum reset and they bounce back. And it's like, you, you hit, the, I didn't actually think about that until you said it right there. But like, this team has made me believe in so many cliches that I never would have thought of as more than coach speak until this year. Yeah. And, and heading into game seven, you know, I was talking to um, a friend and uh, sorry, as I just ate the mic for a second there <laughs> and uh, talking about game seven. And I just, it's because your popsicles melted. So yeah, that is that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but you know, my response to game seven was like, well, I don't know how it's going to go. I have no idea how it's going to go. You know, it's again, we've said it all season long. Any, you could give me any outcome. Yep. And, and I wouldn't be shocked, but what I'm left with is this team is incredibly improved. And even though Connor McDavid, what did he have? Three points in game six, three points um, involved in all four goals. He he had, he had a hell of a game, right? Yeah. no, No way around that. And I'm still not entirely sure that the Edmonton Oilers beat the LA Kings as much as the LA Kings didn't play their game. I think that especially, I think that that was not the most LA Kingsy game of all time, right? Like I thought Kopitar actually put it pretty well after the game where he said they were tentative. Maybe there was a little too much in the heads of like, we can clinch this series tonight. Um, they weren't that normal in your face, aggressive team for the first time in the series. I think the Kings were outplayed in the first period. Um, we haven't seen that all, but I thought that the biggest difference was like the Kings didn't pass well, right. It was said, it was, it was said again this morning in the media veil, like it was pretty clear, but what they did a lot better was defend. Like they didn't pass well. And the difference in my mind between two and three and six was that the Kings defended very well. Like they gave up five high danger chances in the final 40 combined against that team. Like that, that's pretty good. And they were in that game because of how well they defended. In my opinion, they kept a game that could have been worse close to the point of when they got those two goals, despite everything that had gone wrong, despite the disjointed play, despite them, like you said, not playing their game, they were in it. And that's usually not the case when they don't play their game. Somebody, maybe it was the, Oilers head coach said, you know, make no mistake, all the pressure is on them with it the opportunity the to close out on home ice. If that's true, and Kopitar's comments at the end of game six seem to imply that perhaps it was, well, then all of the pressure is on Edmonton in game seven. Yeah, 100%, right? I mean, yeah. the series pressure is clearly on the Oilers. Yeah. Um, in a game seven, um, there is a different set of we'll say reactions to an Edmonton win versus an LA win. And maybe more importantly, an Edmonton loss versus an LA loss. Um, So for sure, I think that every ounce of external pressure is on Edmonton. There's not a, there's not an ounce of it on the Kings. 
right? Like there's no one saying, man, this is a disaster of a season if the Kings lose game seven. There's disappointment um, because the Kings, this is a very winnable series, but there's no bomb going off, disaster, blow up the team narrative if the Kings lose the series. That is the case if the Oilers lose this series. Um, we saw it after game five. We saw the doomsday reaction to game five. Imagine that after game seven. So I think it's a very different set of circumstances and a very different set of pressure. And I'm not familiar enough with the franchise or the market to know if there's any talk of this, but Woodcroft was a replacement coach in the middle of the season. Mm -hmm. If they lose this series, organizationally, there are all sorts of conversations that would be triggered. Whereas the Kings, this is a just getting to a game seven could be viewed as an accomplishment. The phrase I've heard a few times is, you know, they're ahead of schedule, which always drives me nuts because it implies that there's a schedule. Implies that anyone, the person saying that knew the schedule, like, like like he or she has seen the schedule, like it's high school. You got your class schedule. It's not, it's not how it goes. And I can remember in might've been 2010. It might've been 2011 doing an episode of uh, the podcast and saying something like everybody needs to calm down. There'll be contenders around 2015 or something like that. And of course they won the cup twice in between my saying that and 2015. And by 2015, there were plenty of people saying that they were no longer contenders. So schedules out the window, win when you can. Um, But just bringing it up to say, sorry, go ahead. You're right. Like, I think that, the Kings could lose tomorrow or today, depending on when this podcast drops. And you would be, I, I personally, I'd be very disappointed in how the series went, but happy with how the season went. Yeah. I think, I think that's important to know. Like you can be, you can be both um, because this, this was a series or is a series that the Kings can win. No doubt about it. It's a game seven on the road. The Kings have been very good on the road. They're not afraid of going into this environment, this building. They've won here twice. Like This is a winnable game and a winnable series. And if they lose, I think it is disappointing. But at the same time, if you look at the bigger picture, I think you can still be happy at the, the things the, the team achieved this year, win or lose. Somebody, is Jeff Merrick or somebody that Jeff Merrick was talking to, said every year in the first round, there should be eight organizations that are disappointed. And yeah. I think I think it's easy to forget that the point mm-hmm. of the play, and, and just another thing that drives me nuts is whenever somebody says, Oh, this, you know, this second round matchup should be a conference final or a final, or, you know, these these two, these teams are too good to meet in the first round. And I always sort of (laughs) think to myself like, well, there's only so many teams that make the playoffs and a lot of them are pretty darn good. Yeah. Especially, (laughs) I mean, I know we're talking about this particular series, but in the East, you know, I, people say any of those teams could win the cup. Well, Edmonton versus LA are two teams that are pretty evenly matched. Yeah. Um, very similar regular season records. And here we are in game seven, both teams having won games on the road, both teams having won close, both teams having won um, in, in blowouts. And I was reminded in during game six, as I was watching it, we had had the conversation. I don't remember maybe before game four, I think about, I wish I could know when historically the last goal of a game comes in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, is it the mm-hmm. last five minutes or not the last goal, the game winning game, the game winning goal. Yeah. Yeah. Because this was another game where the game winning goal was scored 
within basically the last five minutes. Mm-hmm. And we've had what three games now that were blowouts and three games that where yep. the game winner was scored very, very late. I was actually just, just looking kind of at that, those trends and it's exactly that, right? Like one, yeah. one, five and six were one goal games or essentially one goal games with a game winner within the final six minutes of regulation. And then two, three and four were not like that at all. They four the Kings win was a little bit different, but they were all four plus goal wins decided well before that time. Another cliche that is rung true all year long is that the Kings are better in one goal games than they are in blowouts. I think the Kings have to be hoping that game seven and going into the third period without knowing who's leading and who's not. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, I think you would rather have a close game than a blowout because with the blowout, you're you're flipping a coin that that it's you getting blown out versus you blowing the other team out. I think it, the 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 trends have been, and this is coming straight from the players, is it's almost like the narrower you shrink it, the more the Kings will take it. It's like yeah, when you went into Game Five, it filled an O set. If we, if you if you offered us a two two split. Going into OT, we'd have taken it. Kopitar last night said, if you had offered us a one game, take all game seven, we would take it. Todd McClellan kind of said the same thing. And so it's like the more you narrow it down. And if you said, oh, it's going to be a one goal game going into the third period of games, like they would take that too. Maybe even either way, just because they're so comfortable and unfazed playing in those one goal games. I'm sure everybody in Edmonton and everybody on the Kings would deny that this matters, but. Saturday is three game sevens in a row. Mm-hmm. And the Kings are the final game of the schedule, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. One of the earlier games is Toronto. If Toronto loses, which would be its own, you know, drama and, yeah. and, and, and insanity. I believe that there is a tiny bit of extra pressure transferred then to the Oilers because it would be a second major Canadian market with tons of pressure in a second game seven on home ice, you know, losing. I think there might've been more to that. If Toronto lost the day before, I think the way those games are stacked, it's a seven and a 10. Like, sure. There's not a day to lead up and have people tell them all that's like, I I don't, I, I see your point. Because and it, it may they, not even register with them. I just think yeah. it will be an element in the storyline. I think that I think that teams like Toronto and Edmonton have their own just stratosphere of sure expectations and pressure externally that it's hard hard to go up for those teams. But <laughs> I, I, I definitely definitely see your point because yeah. I mean that was a, a big question, right? Was like which of those two teams is under more pressure to get out of the first round? Um, a narrative that I that sort of threatened to be important all series long, but the going into game seven, I'm not sure really has been is the goaltending matchup. I feel like Smith and quick have both been adequate. And I don't mean that to be, you know, diminishing of either one of them, but I'm not sure if this was you who said it, but like there hasn't been a game yet. Maybe game four decided by goaltending. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Game game four, I think you you could probably say that Jonathan Quick took the game. He was the best player in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, that 
right? Goaltending hasn't been the story because both goalies have been good. There hasn't, or, or they've been equal, I think is fair to say, right? Like Quick's yeah. made some outstanding save. Mike Smith has made some outstanding saves, maybe a couple of misplays, soft goals, but like it hasn't been so drastic one way or the other that it's been this big narrative because other than game four, like I, I don't think it's really been that decisive factor. No, and because of the lopsided scores in game two and three, you know, like I said, Connor McDavid has, I think, 12 points in the series or something. Yeah. And Cody Cece, uh, McDavid, excuse me, McDavid has 12, Kane has nine, Dreisaitl has eight. But Dreisaitl's a minus three, and as overwhelmingly gifted as Connor McDavid is, at no point have I ever, well, that's not true. (laughs) After three games when I was two to one and they had scored 14 goals in two games, I definitely felt the impending sense of doom. But I guess I'm not scared of Edmonton going into game seven. And I don't get the sense that the Kings are either, despite the fact that they have these these players that are clearly the best players in the series. I liked what Matt Roy said after the game. He said, we're not comfortable on the road, but we're ready on the road. Like Mm -hmm. it's a tough building to play in. No one's comfortable there. Um, And then Todd McClellan said, he's like, we've won there before. We can win there again. Like the Kings have won twice in this building in the postseason. They won here in the regular season and they forced overtime in the regular season. Like, I don't think there's any fear of the moment or of the game. And I think that's actually really important that there will be none of that in game seven team that has had is very top heavy in terms of players who have played in a game seven um, projected lineups. They've actually had more game seven games than the Oilers, but they've had fewer players. Um, so for that team with that disparity to, to not have those feelings of doubt or fear, I think that's really important. And I don't think the Kings have them at all. It's going to be really interesting to see what Edmonton does as far as McDavid and Dreisaitl, because heading into the third period, a friend of mine I was talking to on the concourse said, from his perspective, Dreisaitl and McDavid appeared to be getting tired late in the second period. And he thought, if the Kings keep pressuring, that you can only run those guys out every other shift for so long. You can't maintain that level of excellence forever. If the Kings keep pressing them and stay in this game, I think at the time it was two to one, they'll be back in it and have a chance to win. Sure enough, the Kings scored early in the third period. It was two to two. Edmonton didn't score the game winner until much later in the third. We've now seen, what, 70 minutes, 80 minutes of McDavid and Dreisaitl together because it went back to the end of um, uh, game four. I mean, together on a line. Well, they've only played 20 minutes together in the series at five on five. Sure. Total. And 13 of that was in game six. Actually, it's fine. I literally just looked this up for a story on my my practice thing. Like, it felt like they were out more than they were because it's recent. But, like, they, they only played two minutes together, five on five, games one through four. And then they've been together pretty much the entire time from the third period of game five on. But there's it's only weird. yeah. But the, I guess what I'm getting at is that is the, you, oh you're saying you're saying game action. You're not yes. saying like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To, so. yeah. And and guitar, and guitar riff me. <laughs> and uh, so so how the Kings approach it because we saw late in game five and early in game six 
that line can can be all over the kings and right. and i think you just mentioned it you know that the kings started out by defending in game six but the king's game their identity i'm using air quotes so no one can see it yeah is is not to play tentative as kopitar said it no. is to attack it is to to yeah. to forecheck to try and create turnovers it seems like that is the the most potent move Edmonton has in its arsenal to get the Kings off their game. It's not necessarily how they play. It's just loading up that one line with so much offensive talent that you're naturally cautious and aware of it because either one of those guys at any moment and and when they're both on the ice, they can they can combine their forces. So it'll be really curious to see what kind of matchups Todd McClellan goes with in game seven when he doesn't have last change. Yeah. Especially when Edmonton has the option, not, they don't have to pick, right? Like they can put them together and then the next shift, they can separate them and basically have one of them on the ice for 40 minutes of the game. And sometimes two of them in that span. So definitely makes it challenging. Um, game six, the, the matchups would say they wanted the Anderson Roy pairing out there and the Deneau line out there. Um, but the game changes when you're on the road for sure. Um, so it, it definitely becomes a different kind of chess match in game five that the Kings won in Edmonton. Um, Connor McDavid saw mostly Trevor Moore, Andre Kopitar, and Carl Grundstrom. Uh, actually, even as I say that, I'm looking at the minutes seven minutes, 15 seconds against Kopitar, seven minutes, four seconds against Deneau. So I, was say, I don't think that was ever a line. Yeah. Oh, Kopitar to know. No. Kopitar more and Grunstrom. No, it wasn't. Um, more 722, Kopitar 715, Grunstrom 707, Deneau 704, I follow 655, Kempe 652. So a pretty even split that's, among the yeah, top two lines. Even, I didn't didn't realize it was I mean, that's even. Like yeah. you can't that's like half a shift difference. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, and 825 for Mikey Anderson, 751 for Matt Roy, uh 513 for Stetcher and 509 for Alex Edler. So again, a pretty even distribution. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Drysidle, as I talk slower so that I can find him, uh, <laughs> roughly the same 934, 849 for the top D pair, eight minutes uh, across the board, Kopitar, Fallo, and Kempe, slightly less for the second line, more seven minutes, Grundstrom basically six and Deno six. So we'll see. If those two if those two players are combined, theoretically, I mean we saw it in game six, that should leave the Kings bottom players matched up against the Oilers bottom players. And I Blake, I mean, this has been a tremendous uh what's the phrase I'm looking for? Um proof of concept for playoff Blake Lazat. Yeah. It's the same game that yep. he's played in the regular season. It's more physical, more intense. He keeps getting knocked down in certain situations. Hasn't affected his game one inch. He's still that pesky, hard-on-pucks hunter that he was in the regular season. Um, and he's just so valuable with the way that he plays. Uh, um, I think you're, you're spot on, right? Like it's, it's a validation, another validation. And it's, it's one point plus minus zero. And yet, I would argue he might be one of the the most efficient players with his time on ice. 
I was about to say most effective, but that's just not true. There have been other players that have a better, bigger impact on the series. But given the role he's being asked to play and given how well he has played it, he he has been everything, you, you know, he he, I guess I'll say it this way. He has played his role as well as anybody else has played theirs. That line, it's, it's been a variety of players on the left, but I can't think of a time in the series, maybe I'm wrong, where they hurt the Kings. I don't him think they have. With, him with Brown and, and whatever else on the left. Like, mm-hmm. I'd have to look back at every goal, but like, I, I really can't think of one where it was like, man, like that line was a liability. Like, I, I don't think it was the case, maybe ever in this series. And what more would you want, right? From, from your bottom six playing the playoffs, like they haven't hurt you at all. There's only one area I think you could argue that Blake Lazat has um, struggled, and that is face-offs. And uh, in a series where Kopitar and Deneau are both, I mean, they're carrying the load. You know, Kopitar is about 53%, yeah. um, 79 won, 69 lost, uh, although that might be even strength. No, that's all all strengths. Um, Kopitar and Deneau both above 50%, and Blake Lazat. Uh, is is struggling at 44, but he's only but he's taking half of as many, yeah, um, faceoffs. And you know, not that possession metrics need be the the most important thing when we talk about a player's effectiveness. But Blake Lazat leads the team at even strength in uh, in Corsi and I believe in expected goals too. Um, as you said, there's not a shift where his line hurts you. In yeah. fact. You know, Todd McClellan, yet another cliche that McClellan has talked all year long about is handing off shifts. Yeah. That line does an excellent job of handing off shifts. And I think that's been the case, whether it was Grunstrom there, whether it was Lemieux there, whether it was Kaliev there, whether it was Athens to see you there. I think they've they found a way to do that. And that's important, you know, for the bottom six in this series. Carl playoff Carl Grunstrom is another proof of concept um, in my Jared mind. Stoll. That's right. Jared before Stoll. this, before the series started, Jared Stoll and myself, I might add, both identified Carl. No, it was Jared Stoll. Well, I said it in the locker room. I wasn't <laughs> recording it, but <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know, Carl Grundstrom has has come in and stepped into that role, yeah. uh, not for the full series, but for for since he has been placed on that second line with Trevor Moore and Phil Deneau. So hopefully, Game Seven, we see some big heroics, and uh, and hopefully, we are talking about. Kings versus whomever in round two. I was trying to make plans with somebody last night after the game, and they were like, All right, so I'll see you on such and such a day. And I shrugged and I said, I don't know. Like it's still it's still in the cards that the Kings could play Dallas with home yep. ice advantage, Calgary as the road team, mm-hmm. or or we could be doing exit interviews next week. Um yep. all all options are on the table. Zach, thanks as always. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.